On this podcast, I profile people who have changed culture and history. And of course, they were all gay, lesbian, bisexual, or transgender. My name is Frank Howard, and welcome to Gay of the Day. If anyone listening has worked in a restaurant as I have, you may have noticed how gender and sexuality come into play when determining who works where. Behind the line, it's still a man's world, a straight man's world. Knives and hot ovens, flaming saute pans, and pots coming to a boil. Men darting around and shouting, it's controlled chaos. No sissies allowed behind the line. Now, the gays are in the front of the house, waiting on tables. The gay waiter is a cliché. Restaurant owners taking advantage of a gay man's unconscious need to be pleasing. This has been changing, but it's been slow. Women have made the most inroads, many of them lesbians, and... In the misogynistic and homophobic kitchens of the country's top restaurants, a lesbian can be seen as just one of the guys. Every year, hundreds of chefs from around the country gather in Chicago where the culinary Oscars are handed out. The James Beard Award. The medals are on the necks of these chefs named for one of the biggest flaming homosexuals ever to flip a crepe. The Dean of American Cookery and Today's Gay, James Beard. By the early part of the previous century, the Industrial Revolution had already made an impact on American food. The food on grocery store shelves was mass-produced, Canned, dehydrated, powdered, and pulverized into something that would make Soylent Green seem appetizing. Born in 1903, James Beard was a frail child who, uh, around the age of five, contracted malaria. He was nursed back to health by his family's Chinese maid and her husband. This is when he had an epiphany about food. They prepared Chinese dishes for him during his recuperation. Fresh meats and vegetables, prepared simply and with the unfamiliar spices. It was exotic and wondrous to the young James Beard. Until the end of his life, he credited his Chinese caretakers with not only saving his life, but changing it. By the time he was in his teens, he had grown tremendously. Not just vertically, he was six foot four, but horizontally, he weighed 250 pounds. He was eating and screwing like a Roman emperor. After being kicked out of college for having sex with guys, 
He hitched around the U.S. and ate. He then went to Europe and ate. He settled in France for many years and ate. He had no designs on being a chef. He had uh, ambitions as an actor. He just wanted to eat and eat and screw guys and then eat some more. He ballooned to over 300 pounds. By the late 1930s, he was in New York, trying to make enough of a living as an actor to keep a roof over his head and to eat as much good food as possible. He wasn't finding much work, but was a popular party guest at the cold water flats of Broadway Babies because he'd always arrive with a spread of hors d'oeuvre he'd prepare himself. He then got the bright idea of opening his own catering company called Hors d'oeuvre Inc. Soon, New York's most prominent hostesses were clamoring to book James Beard to cater their cocktail parties. Between meals and sexual encounters, he managed to write a cookbook, Hors d'oeuvre and Canapé. It was published in 1940 and was an instant success. In 1946, when television was in its infancy, he invented the cooking show, hosting the very first one, unnecessarily called I Love to Eat. One look at Beard and it goes without saying. He demystified classical techniques and implored housewives and amateurs to ditch the can opener and cook fresh. Good food was not only the purview of the wealthy gourmand. Sally Housecoat could prepare a gourmet meal without fuss or fortune. This was nearly 20 years before Julia Child first came into America's living rooms. James Beard became a star. And he ate. Over the next 35 years, James Beard hosted many TV cooking shows and authored 25 best-selling cookbooks, eating and screwing when his hectic schedule allowed it. His whorish ways extended beyond the bedroom. He made millions, endorsing things like canned corn, Adolph's meat tenderizer, DuPont chemicals, products completely antithetical to his cooking philosophy. He even did commercials for Benson and Hedges cigarettes, despite the fact he didn't smoke. His hedonism never abated, though he did have a serious partner the last 30 years of his life. His Greenwich Village brownstone is now a national landmark and hosts promising chefs from around the country. Being invited to cook a meal in the James Beard House means you're a member of an exclusive club of chefs and guarantees your restaurant will have a waiting list for a table. In a revised edition of his memoirs, James Beard addressed the importance of his gayness, writing, quote, I think it's time to talk about that now, end quote. So, let's talk about that. People often ask, why is it important that these people I profile were gay? It's true in my personal life, unless I find someone attractive, that someone is gay is one of the least interesting things about them and is not an instant qualification for friendship. 
Sometimes it's incidental that someone was gay, but most of the time, it is pivotal to why they did what they did. After writing 365 profiles on the Facebook page and recording over 50 of these podcasts, for the vast majority, I think their gayness at least nudged them in a direction they wouldn't have taken were they straight. This seems evident with James Beard. Just like at age five when he was introduced to the pleasure of fine food by his Chinese maid, at age seven he was introduced to physical pleasure after an encounter with a boy his age. He spent his entire life pursuing pleasure, a life of hot food and hot sex. He didn't believe in guilt. He believed in happiness. And for James Beard, happiness was a good meal and a good man. I can even join the Navy, but the rump steak melody lingers on. Let me stick my fork in the gravy. Rump steak is sure a sender. Rump steak like Mama made. Thick, juicy, nice and tender. The rump steak serenade. Today's gear of the day, culinary legend, James Beard. Gay of the Day's theme is composed and performed by Swick, that's C-W-I-O-K. Check out Gay of the Day on Instagram and the Facebook page. I post photos and links and clips and other things corresponding to these podcasts. And if you like this podcast, please recommend it to a friend. My name is Frank Howard. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.